Hello and welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM. This podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning. We'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about, talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Free Like Me podcast with myself, Ben Smith, and we are carrying on our series about habits and behaviours in the world of money. Uh, we all know that getting into good habits is important in any aspect of life, and after lockdown and probably quite a few of us getting into some bad habits, um, it's very important to make sure you stick to some really good habits when it comes to your money. So today we are talking about tax and I've got two wonderful guests alongside me to uh, really delve down into what you could be doing with your taxes to instill some great habits. So first of all, uh, he's already been on the podcast once, uh, Rob Griffiths. He's he's now had a haircut, so the lockdown uh, the lockdown locks, should we call them, have gone. How, how are you, Rob? I'm very well, thanks, Ben. Um, really looking forward to the world op- opening up again, and um, you know, just getting some normality and a bit, bit more of a fun factor into my life again. And like you said, I'm looking, uh, looking trim, fresh new haircut, and just ready to go. Absolutely. And uh, my second guest, uh, she has also been on the podcast before, uh, Trish Naharani. Trish, it's great to see you back physically in the office, and um, I know you're still sticking to your good habits of getting up early and getting ahead each morning. Is, is that fair to say? It's a little bit later than the half four in the morning now. But yeah, still trying to stay fit, stay healthy, keep sane. Wow. G- giving yourself a lion, are we? Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, um, let's dive straight into it. Um, habits and behaviours with tax. What? Why are we talking about this today, Rob? I think because um, <clears throat> it's so easy to slip into bad habits that can sort of trip you up but likewise it's so easy to just improve your overall financial life and your your tax affairs just by getting some really just quick easy wins by just sort of getting in some sensible behavior I, I guess you'd call it and like most things in life that generally sort of focuses around forward planning just sort of being a bit a bit more organized um, establishing your you know, tax position on any event or <clears throat> or course of action as early as possible. And indeed, when it just comes down to the sort of the basic compliance of, of getting your tax return in, establishing what tax you have to pay, avoiding penalties, things like that, that are just so easy to avoid if you've got those good habits in place. But so often we see people just let that side of things slip and just, you know, can get themselves into a bit of a pickle. I think it's also good because like doing small little checks or little things throughout the year can just stop have stop you from having like a surprise tax bill or something like that at the end. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and I was going to go to... to a straight... Go on, Rob. No, I was going to say, you know, a, a classic example of that is um, monitoring your tax code, for instance, which so few people actually do because they're just not aware of what it means. You know, it's yeah. just a letter that comes in from HMRC and they you know, file it in the waste paper bin or whatever. And, but actually, you know, changes to that could be impacting the, um, your overall tax position. You could end up, for instance, through the year paying 
too little tax because they put re reliefs in their your tax code that you um are not entitled to and we you know we see that all the time particularly with people who are making sizable personal pension contributions and then um you know they they've ignored the letter they've ignored the fluctuations in their take home pay and they've got a surprise tax bill at the end of the year yet just sort of you know raising that issue the fluctuations particularly in the take home pay with their advisor you know Trish or myself we could have had a look into it and you know within the day within a really short space of time just established whether or not everything's as it should be or isn't and you know take um, you know whatever action is needed to ensure that the right amount of tax is being deducted again just a really simple thing to deal with yeah and I think so many people um, hear the word tax and it probably fills them with dread every time they hear it because you know we, we, we all have to pay tax and um, you know we'd, we'd probably rather be spending that money on things we want to do so as soon as you then say tax return or tax code <laughs> they bury their head in the sand exactly bury their head in the sand yeah. this, this inertia around tax I think is a mm. is a real problem isn't it and and Trish coming over to you I mean it, it's no surprise really that that tax returns get filed late is it Oh, yes. January is our favourite time of the year. Um, I think people get scared. And it's like you said, they put it off, put it off, put it off until they don't have, like, until January when they can't. And I think, uh, so people who have to do tax returns, like, a really good trick is to do it as early as possible because it gives you, like, a nine-month window to know what your tax bill is, put plans in place to make that money and have it available for the payment in January. I think a lot of people have fears that, if they do their tax return now, they're going to have to pay the tax now as well. And it doesn't actually work that way. On the flip side, it's always good to do it early if you've made investments in tax efficient plans because you can get your money back earlier. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things we really try and help uh, clients to do is trying to get mm -hmm. money back each year when you file your tax return. And as Trish said, if you get that back in June as opposed to maybe February the following year, you know, that's an extra six or seven months at least of interest or returns you could be having in your investments. And if you did that every year, it might not sound like much in one year, but if you did that every year over the course of your life, um, I'm sure we could do a calculation to work out what the uh, compound effect could be. on the <laughs> But unfortunately, I haven't prepped that for today. Um, but yeah, it's little things like that, isn't it? And it's, it's then having, if, if you know what your tax bill is going to be, you can then maybe put it into a six month bond account, which means you get a slightly mm. better interest. So there's all those little things that come into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's everyone's least favourite chore, really, isn't it? And it's so tempting to leave it, leave it to the last minute. And, um, you know, you see all the time when people... They've, they've not anticipated having a liability and the first they know about it is January. The provisions aren't in place. They're scrabbling around right after Christmas trying to, trying to get that cash in place to pay HMRC. You know, in some instances that involves late payment fees, penalties and charges and interest and so on. And all that could have been avoided if they had just got that information together in um, sort of April, May the previous year. I was saying likewise, if there's if there's a particular if there's a particular event, say you're say you're selling some shares, you're cashing in an investment, you're selling a property, and there's there's going to be some capital gains tax. Consult your advisor prior to the event. Get an idea of of what the tax liability is going to be before you before you go ahead. There might be things you're missing out on, and then once the event 
or the sale has taken place, you can establish the tax position then. And like you say, put those funds aside to pay the capital gains tax um, <clears throat> into the appropriate vehicle so that that money is actually working for you, for you. And you know, when in advance, it might be even, you know, more than that, the nine months uh, Trishna alluded to, it might, it could be even further in advance if you're talking about the event happening in that tax year and you've got it tucked away, there's no surprises. And when the moment comes to pay HMRC, make the transfer job done. Yeah, great. I mean, really great ideas there. And I think so much of this comes down to process, doesn't it? And and I know personally speaking, um, seven or eight years ago, I was not particularly good with my record keeping when it came to my taxes. And that leaves you in a much more difficult position when you get to, you know, hopefully not January, but if it is January, you're scrambling around trying to find the information. So Trish, I'm, I'm sure you see this all the time, but but what tips would you give for anyone in terms of record keeping? I think what I always say to my clients is if it's like someone who's just employed and has the normal documents rather than self-employed, send them through to the advisor as and when you get them. So you see the email in your inbox, forward it on. It's as easy as that. I think for someone who's self-employed, there's so many apps available that do all your record keeping because they're linked to your bank feed. Um, most banks allow you to download stuff in um, Excel format, which massively helps as a time saving. Um, and just keeping like a box. I know people in the office even who just keep a box of receipts that they then trawl through at the end of the year, maybe doing it on a monthly or a quarterly basis so that you're not doing it all in one go. Because I think doing expenses for the whole year in one go is very, very daunting. And that's probably the biggest mm. thing that puts people off. Yeah, I think particularly people who are either self-employed or they have a, a rental property or something where there's that ongoing income and expenditure, just you know, set aside half an hour at the end of the month just to tot up what you've done. And that's going to save you a lot of stress further down the line. And that's so important, isn't it? It's the diary invite that, that you have every month. And again, just getting really granular here. This is something I've started to do. If it's in your diary at the end of each month and you stick to that then then you're already in a great habit whereas if you just say i'm going to start doing that it, it probably doesn't happen so again put it in the diary make sure you set time aside and, and it'll make your life a lot easier when you, you come to filing that tax return um so in terms of saving tax obviously this is something we talk about a lot um you need to do that every year presumably it's not something you just do one year and then forget about it so what good habits can listeners get into to, to help save tax each year? Coming to you first, Trish. I think, I mean, if you know, so something I do, which helps me is I kind of project what I think my tax is going to be. Um, obviously, I've got an advantage here being a tax advisor, but if you can project what your tax position is going to be, then you can get the necessary help to do investments etc that are going to re result in a tax saving so I tend to do VCTs or pension contributions that will mean that I get a smaller tax liability um, in terms of making sure you've got money aside it going back to what Rob mentioned that if you know you've got upcoming tax bill make sure you've put it aside from the beginning so all of the self-employed people that I work with I tend to say put away 20 to 25 percent of their income as soon as they receive it because that should be sufficient to cover their tax and national insurance Obviously, that would differ from person to person. Um, 
yeah, I mean, investments, right? Like mm. it's making your money work for you and giving you tax relief at the same time. I think, you know, as, as with many things, the the most effective plans are often the, the simplest and just making sure you're utilising the, the available allowances and, you know, some of the most vanilla aspects of tax planning can be the most effective such as, you know, utilising your ISA allowance is just an, an absolute no-brainer. Between a married couple, that's, what, 40000 a year? Mm-hmm. You know, you could really rapidly build up a, a sizable <clears throat> portfolio in a, in a tax-free environment just by doing that. Um, similarly, with using your pension allowances, um, making sure you're using your capital gains exemption each year if you, know, if you have the sort of, you know, assets that that makes that viable perhaps you're on an employee share scheme or you know you've got sort of pretty sort of liquid assets that you're you're able to sort of crystallize gains and use that exemption it's currently twelve thousand three hundred of <clears throat> that you can use each year um if you're utilizing yours and your spouses then again those are tax-free gains that you can make be making year in year out and um yeah making sure that you're doing that planning across your family, both spouses, you know, utilizing the allowances that are available to both you and your husband and wife is um, just just a really easy and simple way to make sure that you're reducing your tax exposure. Well, as a family man, Rob, it sounds like your uh, children have lots of junior <laughs> ices and, and pensions and whatnot. So uh, l- l- lucky children. Ho- hopefully you listen to our podcast on uh, money habits for children as well. Of course, of course. <laughs> never on this one. Exactly. Um, it's really interesting because I think when you look at the role that maybe we have as advisors in this and, and we talk Trish, you mentioned VCTs and pensions, and, and I'm sure most of our listeners know what pensions are. VCTs may go may, may not be known by some people. So that's a, a venture capital trust, which allows you to invest into smaller to medium-sized businesses and, and get some tax benefits for doing so. They are higher risk, but for some listeners, they, they may well be relevant. Um, but it's easy to say when you're in the industry, I think. And um, I guess what what role would an advisor like yourself play in this trish and why is it also important to have a financial planner involved in that conversation 100 percent it's easier for us to say but like before i started working in wealth management i didn't have a clue about all of this stuff i think it's important to have an advisor because for me tax is my forte right it's what i do every day so i know the ins and outs all the like I wouldn't say tricks, but all the things that I need to do to make sure I'm maximizing all my allowances and stuff like that. For someone who's not in the industry, it's having that support network there to enable them to do that. And then working alongside a financial advisor and a tax advisor, make sure you're being efficient from both perspectives in terms of your financial advisor might put some planning into place, but you need to make sure that planning is as tax efficient for you as, as it is financially efficient. So the two of like the both of us essentially work together to make sure anything we propose to a client is efficient from both angles and gives them the maximum benefit. And the and I guess the issue is with the with the tax year, it ends mm-hmm. and then you have nine months to file your tax return. So by the time you're filing your tax return, it's too late. So so Rob, I mean, it's it it's important to I guess have meetings in February and March before the end of the tax year with tax advisor and financial planner. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, you can't have too many, really. Regular catch-ups are so key. Um, <clears throat> for, for one reason being that the, the rules are always changing. You know, there, there could be a, a budget announcement that, that impacts you. Um, as, a, as a sort of busy person, you might not be um, fully aware of, of what those impacts are. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, as a, as a company, as advisors, we, we try and get those messages out as, as quickly and as clear as possible. But, you know, some people, you know, do miss the finer detail. But if you're having a regular catch up with your advisors, they will know what changes are, are occurring, how that will impact you. Does that open up more opportunities? Does that sort of close down um, opportunities that you were considering? Does it mean that you have to sort of push plans forward or backwards? Depending, you know, if a great example would be the, uh, the changes to... Um, the reliefs on selling residential property that came in in April 2020. The <clears throat> someone selling a property that was not fully covered by their um, main residence relief prior to those changes versus after those changes coming in in, in April 2020, the the difference in their tax position could be you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in in some cases, and a lot of people just wouldn't have you know your layman just would not have been aware of of that impact but if they were talking to their financial advisor their tax advisor on a regular basis then most certainly they're going to be aware and if they can sort of bring that sale forward and get that preferential tax treatment then you know <clears throat> um it's an absolute winner but they would have to be aware of those those tax changes in the first place to actually take that uh, corrective action absolutely and um you know i think we've touched on on quite a quite a few different options there in terms of good habits um before we go i did just want to uh, see if you'd seen any bad habits that that people could avoid so um trace coming to you first what, what what's some bad habits that maybe you you've uh, had yourself or or you might have seen someone else get into so things to avoid i think the biggest the biggest thing that i see is that people receive like these big repayments of tax in their pay slips and stuff but they forget to mention it to us and that's where their tax code's been changed They've been refunded the tax and then at the end of the year we find out and there's a massive tax bill to pay. Making sure like you're just touching base to make sure everything's in order. Absolutely. And uh, we all want to lose, uh, avoid those nasty surprises, don't we? Uh, Rob, top, top uh, bad habit that you've seen? Um, I think people just putting their head in the sand when things get complicated or they're, they're, scared of a potential liability and you know some people will do that sort of year on year and you know it just perpetuates the problem and it just gets worse and worse and worse when actually you know those problems could have been dealt with and solved before they got out of hand um the sooner you can you can just jump on a potential issue and get it sorted the better absolutely the world's worst is when uh you you see someone who maybe hasn't filed a tax return for six or seven years and uh <laughs> i know that's a fun job for trish and uh rob to go back and try and do all of that work it gets even more difficult well look um lots of great stuff in there today i, I think in terms of a recap um when it comes to habits and behaviors and tax like most things it's pretty simple get some diary reminders um set up each month to review your payslip and your taxes and, and add anything into your spreadsheet. Um, talk to your advisor regularly. You know, we're massive advocates of having, having a meeting in March because it's good to do some things before the end of the tax year. 
um, but also probably a couple more throughout the year. Um, and send as much information as you can to your tax advisor. If it doesn't make sense or you get a document through from HMRC or a change of pay code, make sure it goes over to your advisor and um, it will mean much less nasty surprises and some opportunity to plan. So thanks, Trish. Thanks, Rob, for joining us and stay tuned for some more podcasts in the coming weeks.